This week on the Men at the Movies podcast, we celebrate the 20-year anniversary of A Knight's Tale. No matter how hard we believe or as much as we try, we are unable to change our stars, our nature, or our destiny on our own. God will often ask us to lay something down, to kill it, in order to redeem it. And we can receive our true name that is beyond contestation through Christ. Join us as we discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story. The story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me for this final installment of Rom-Com Movie Month <laughs> is Britt Mooney. Hey dude, how What's you doing? Up? Is this a rom-com? I don't know. It's, it's, I wouldn't declare it's like a dude's movie. I don't think. It tried to be. It tried to be. The music's pretty awesome. The music is pretty awesome. So, uh, I watched, we're talking about Knight's Tale in case you didn't know from the title on the podcast that you're currently listening to, <laughs> but we're talking about Knight's Tale. And so when I watched the movie, I watched it on Amazon prime. And so it had the, I watched it on the computer. So it had the little x-ray trivia stuff. Yes. And it said, and I thought this was interesting that the, they incorporated the music to show how music was looked at in the Renaissance times, because we don't look at Renaissance music now as, you know, really important or amping up or getting you ready. You know, like we will rock you as, it, as I think the movie started, but that's how they looked at the music back at the Renaissance times. Music would get them pumped up for these jousting and the tournaments and all that stuff. So music, they use today's music to show how important music was back then. It's an interesting bit of trivia that has absolutely nothing to do with our conversation today. <laughs> well, and there's, there's a little theme running through it where they were trying to, to show that the sports mentality that we have in our current culture really isn't that far removed from other cultures. And so, you know, they kind of bring in the, the announcer, you know, <laughs> Jeffrey Chaucer's the announcer yeah. and, and sir, you know, he does like, you know, like he's a boxer and, uh, and then, you know, they're bringing in, uh, so a lot of the music, that they use are is like stadium music that you would see in a basketball game or something. So, so yeah, so they were trying to weave that in and make that statement, but. And so we talk about, we're talking about Knight's Tale. We love Heath Ledger. He's in this one. And, and as you mentioned, Jeffrey Chaucer played by Paul Bettany and Alan yeah. Tudyk. And Oh, what's that other guy's name? What's Roland's name? I don't know, but he was in the full Monty. Yeah. That's how I know him. That's how a lot of us know. <laughs> but uh, great comedic actors. Yes. So it's sort of a modernish take on this, the, uh, on a Renaissance time. And who doesn't love horses and lances and a bunch of guys rising above their station, right? There you go. Absolutely. So the, the, the movie is a knight's tale and we're, we're talking in Heath Ledger's character, William Thatcher, because his dad was a Thatcher, which meant he put the, you know, thatched roofs. And as we come to find out, his dad wanted more for him than to grow up to be a Thatcher. And there was a scene that was from his childhood. So we're starting back in, in William's childhood uh, where where his father takes him to watch the not even the jousting match, but it was the parade of the the knights who arrived to the city to watch it when he lived in London. And so there's this conversation about what a man can can become one day. Someday I'll be a knight. <laughs> a thatcher's son, a knight. You might as well try to change the stars. <laughs> Can it be done, Father? Can a man change the stars? Yes, William. He believes enough a man can do anything. 
and that's going to be sort of the theme of the movie is can a man change his stars? Can a leopard change his spots to pull a Bible verse in? That is a Bible verse, right? Is it in Job? Uh, I don't know if that's a Bible verse. No, it may it not. It may, may not be. be. I don't think so. Uh, I'll, we'll have to Google it to see, but I do have to disagree with the, in this case, a man can change his stars if he believes in himself strong enough, right? That's what he says. I have to disagree with that. And that's pretty much the theme of every Disney and Christmas movie. Just believe it hard enough and you can make it happen. Right. And I'm sorry, but I will, my, I will never be an NBA. I'll never be a professional basketball player. I'll never be a football player. I'll never be a chemical engineer. You know, there are certain things that just aren't going to happen, no matter how hard I wanted them to. However, this idea of changing our stars, of changing our destiny, I think is is a valid point. And something that sort of is the kickoff for this idea of changing our stars, of changing our destiny, of changing our course. Uh, it just sort of depends on what your destination is. Well, and, and I think it has to do with what is the impossible that we believe in like like what do we believe is possible what do we what do we believe is impossible and 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 i think that most of us at some point right we we believe things are impossible for a reason right because this is how it's always been right if you talk about changing the stars you're, you're talking about changing the nature of the universe right you're talking <laughs> about changing uh, you know the nature of where very large stars and suns and bodies, uh, celestial bodies, where they are in the galaxy, right? And everything's works a certain way. Right. The laws of gravity and thermodynamics and right? all this stuff. And yet I, I think that it has a very important gospel connotation because without Christ, we have a certain destiny. It's going to work a certain way. Like we live in a world of entropy. We live in a world where everything will tend to death, right? Like that's the world that we live in. And yet they put these statements in movies, Disney movies, this movie, they put these statements in these movies because they're, they are universal. It's a universal desire within us to look at the world and see the limitations and want to go beyond them. Yeah. Nothing makes me want to do something more than being told I can't. <laughs> right. Now, again, exactly how we express that may not be the right way. How we fight for that or how we do certain things may not be the right way, but, but there's, there is something important about a kingdom life you know, mentality where we look at the, the limitations and we say, those aren't our limitations, you know, this, just because everyone believes in those limitations. Um, and, and I, and I, because that's faith, faith goes beyond what we see, right? right. Faith is, uh, believing that there's evidence of something that we hope for that's unseen. That's, we don't really have evidence that it could happen. You know, everything we know is that, a Thatcher is going to become a Thatcher, you know, that he's not going to become a knight. And, and, and that's why we get persecuted and that's why people laugh and mock and all of those sort of things are in the Bible. Um, but I think it's interesting, you know, based on kind of the, what we talk about on the podcast is that this is a very universal theme in a lot of movies yeah. where someone is, you know, going up against limitations and they say, well, if you just believe enough, you know, <laughs> you can, you can change the world. And, but, and we actually know that there's a reason why we we're attracted to that message. And I, th it goes back to our, our core. We're, we're born into sin. We are born dead in a lot of ways there. And there is nothing that we can do but we want to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. We want to, we know, uh, man, what is that CS Lewis quote? It is only because we have a desire for something greater that we know that something greater exists. Exactly. If it didn't exist, we wouldn't desire it. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. And so we know 
these themes are in the core, the fabric of our very being. We know there's things like justice and fairness and love and forgiveness and compassion and heaven, Eden. You know, we, we have that, we have those desires for home and for who we could be, but we know who we can be. We know who we want to be. And we frequently don't rise to that. And we know that, and it frustrates us, and we feel embarrassed because we feel less than, and we feel inadequate, and we, in, because we are at our, at our core. Yeah, I think that's a great summation of, of our issue, of our problem, because we both have a desire for a perfect world, and yet are very sure that we cannot produce it. Right. Like right. we, we know these two things simultaneously. It, it makes no sense. N- none of those things make sense to us. Right. Like, wh- how could I want a perfect world? And yet I have the complete inability to produce it. Right. I can't be, I can't do what I believe is right. Much less. How can I expect it from the rest of the world around me? <laughs> exactly. And yet though, what those two realities say to us, just that reality. I mean, every person, you know, listening to this podcast will agree with this. Like, I I know that there's this perfect person that I believe I should be. And yet I know that even when I want to do good, I I don't, I, I don't measure up to even my own standard of justice, my own standard of love or peace or whatever it might be. And how do we reconcile that? Like we haven't even brought God into the conversation yet, but, but that is a universal reality to every person. And, and so what, what that says is that there should be a way to reconcile that. Right. (laughs) And, and, and a God who loves us knows that those are our realities and he's out to reconcile them together that to help us to be born again so that we can change our nature. Like that, that, that's what changing our stars means to me It's changing the very nature of universe. Right. Um, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, right? We are changing. We are involved in the story that is changing the very stars. It's going to be a new us. Paul and a new Brit, and we're, we're going to be Paul, new, awesome. Thank God, thank <laughs> God. And we'll 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 have a beer in the kingdom, and we'll be who That's we right. are meant to be. Yeah, our true nature will be revealed. <laughs> yeah, that brewery or the bourbon up in heaven's got to be Ooh-wee. choice. Yeah. <laughs> so all that to say is, I, you know, I think it's, I, I agree with you. It, it, it feels, it feels kind of flat sometimes in some of these movies. Cause you're like, if we just take that as a blanket statement, there's a lot of things that I'll never be, I'll never be, you know, I guess I could be shorter, but you know, like <laughs> you, you, you'll never be something. There are limitations. And, and yet that's the awesome thing about the gospel is the in the gospel, there are no limitations. If you are following him, like you can say to the mountain, be moved and it will move. Right. I mean, like these things that you think are impossible with faith, nothing is impossible. And Jesus says that like, it's nothing will be impossible for you with God. All things are possible. And, and that's something I think we long for. Uh, And, and it doesn't make sense that we want it by the way. And cause I talk about this all the time. Like it doesn't make sense. We want it because we have a lot of examples of endings that are not happy. Right. We have yeah. a lot of those examples. And so, so I, so I, I like the theme. Oh, and by the way, something we didn't mention before was that this was produced, written and directed by the same dude. So like, this was some guy's vision. Like this movie wasn't just, Hey, let's just have a cool movie for Heath Ledger. Like he really <laughs> was trying to say something as cheesy and as silly as it might be in some spots. He really was trying to say something. Well, and and I think that that's the core thing is we internally know that we need our stars changed. We need our nature changed. And we spend many people spend their lives trying to do it on their own. They're finding, getting somebody to forge the patents of nobility, or they're training hard to be an awesome jouster, lancer, knight, whatever their, their performance right? They're trying to chase it with performance, with manipulation. And if you think that you can just say, well, if I wanted to be generous, how generous of a person am I? How kind am I? 
How compassionate am I in your own power and in your own strength? And how often do you hit your own mark? How often do I hit my, and, and to say, well, you're a bunch of hypocrites saying, look at all these other people that can't do it. I do it on a daily of, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to do that. And yet I do. I don't want to weigh this weight. And yet I do. <laughs> and that's right. something silly and simple, but if I can't even really sort of control my weight or my intake or, you know, exercise, how am I going to control who I am? Especially in those moments of crisis and adversity, because as will happen, young William, he ends up taking over some, some Knights uniform, taking over his identity, becoming this, this secret because only the noble, only someone who's born of noble birth can be a Knight can play in the tournaments. And so he, fakes it. So he legitimately has an imposter syndrome because he really is an imposter. And when we do that, frequently we'll meet somebody who does not believe they are an imposter that believes that the world does revolve around him <laughs> and, and sort of, you know, he's got the, the proof to back it up here. And so uh, William meets Adamar who immediately asks him, who is it? Who are you? And you are? Well, I am, um... You've forgotten? Or your name is, uh, um... <laughs> Ulrich. Von Lichtenstein from Gelderland. Oh, I'd forget as well. What a mouthful. <laughs> your armor, sir. What about it? How stylish of you to joust in an antique. You'll start a new fashion if you win. My grandfather will be able to wear his in public again. And a shield. How quaint. <laughs> Some of these poor country knights, little better than peasants. Which I think is just a, such a well-written line because William is a peasant. And when you live in an imposter syndrome or an imposter situation where you're trying to be something that you know you're not, and you get called out, you respond as William does, and he kind of runs off to prove himself in other ways. I don't measure up. Because we don't need somebody to tell us all the ways that we're falling short of their expectations. We're pretty fully aware of that. <laughs> Whether it's as a father, as a husband, as just a human being trying to do the right thing, there will be somebody that will disagree who knows better. At work yesterday, I, I teach nursing students in a hospital. So they go into the hospital and they take care of patients. Well, this one patient used to be a nurse, actually taught one of the other nurses like 20 years ago. So she was literally an old nurse. And she said, she, and so the student was in there. And so the asking the student, well, what sort of precautions would you need for this? And I don't, I don't know why she sounds a little British, maybe because we're doing Knight's Tale. <laughs> what sort of, of precautions do you need? And it was a guy that it was just like, um, she, she had no idea. And so the student said, I, I don't know what you're asking me. It was like, well, then. And just walked off. And she and the student was very sort of hurt. She felt like a failure and all this, very much like William in this. And, and what I told her was that person had no interest in teaching you. She didn't really care. She just wanted to prove how much she knew and how much you don't. It's like those people don't really, I wish I could say they don't really matter, <laughs> but we let them. <laughs> To me, not in a perfect way, but William, in a lot of ways, is a Christ figure in this movie. All right. So first of all, it seems like he comes from nothing. Right. First of all, it appears as if he's a nobody. And yet when he sees an opportunity, he takes it. Right. And 
and another thing that I like, uh, you know, before we even get to this Adamar scene, there was a, a scene where he convinces uh, Roland and Watt to go on this adventure with him. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and something that we see in this movie and it happens in a lot of movies, it's a very fantasy sort of movie thing, right. Where he gathers a community around him as he goes. And so something that we, that we see that I think is, is really interesting or that I saw initially, they were doing a really, they were trying really hard in the scene with Watt and Roland to make, to let us know that Watt just wants something to eat. Yep. And Roland just wants to go home. Like, <laughs> like they're like, if it's not clear, let's just make it as clear as we possibly can. Watt just wants to eat something and Roland just wants to go home. How did the nobles become noble in the first place, huh? They took it at the tip of a sword. I'll do it with a lance. A blunted lance? Oh, no matter what, a man can change his stars. And I won't spend the rest of my life as nothing. That is nothing. And nothing is right where glory will take us. We're the sons of peasants. Glory and riches and stars are beyond our grasp. But a full stomach, that dream can come true. <laughs> and, and, and what we see in that is, is kind of like Jesus recruiting some disciples, right? Hey, I, I'm going to change the world. You ready? And they're like, dude, you, you can't even do one little thing. Like, I mean, you know, their, their, their thinking is, is limited because that's the world they live in. And, but I think it's interesting, the, the faults and the, and the misfits in this particular movie, because one is just about, the immediate, right? I want to eat. I'm a full belly. Enough. I can obtain that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, or he's going to fong somebody. I don't know what it means to fong somebody. <laughs> and I'm a little hesitant to say it out loud because, you know, I, I, I'm assuming it means to beat you up, uh, at least in context. Yeah. The, and, and then we have one who's, you know, we got Roland who's, he's more the voice of reason, right? He's like, look, man, I, I just want to go home. Let's just have a simple life. Let's just settle. Yeah. Right. And, and then we have uh, Chaucer who comes in later, who's a, a gambler, right? And he's a writer and a gambler. And then we have uh, the woman, it's Kate. a woman blacksmith, uh, Kate. And, you know, she has, she has her sort of misfit stuff about her too. But I think it's interesting, those sort of people, because we meet those people. See, God wants to take us on a mission. He wants to take us on an adventure. Like that's a a big part of who God is because he knows that's what's going to satisfy us. That's what's going to satisfy the deepest part of us. It's not just to save us from hell as we keep talking about. It's to take us in on a story. He wants to invite us into the story of changing the world. And he knows because he created us, he knows that's where we belong. And especially when we're born again, he he wants us in his story. And so all of that to say is, but we do the same thing. When God's trying to call us, we're like, well, dude, I'm just hungry. Like, I can't follow you (laughs) on an adventure, right? I don't know where my next meal is coming from. And I don't want to belittle poverty or not knowing where your, your meal is coming from. But I'm just saying that's a very real state of, of, of where people get to, right? Because God's like, okay, let's go, let's go change our stars. And they're like, I can't even find another meal. You want me to change stars, you know? (laughs) And, and it's the same, or or it's like Roland or some of us are like him where we say, you know what? I'm okay. Just living a simple, satisfied life. And yet he really wasn't right. Like by the end, all of these other people have found something more in themselves as well. And same thing with Jeffrey Chaucer. Right. And he's just, man, if you just take care of me, clothe me, I'm sitting here, you know, uh, the vision is naked on the screen. Uh, and (laughs) all of that to say, you know, but, but as they get, closer into it, they realize yeah, maybe the mission is something, maybe there is something to this and, and their vision is lifted. And so in that sense, I think William is a, is a sort of Christ figure because, because think about it when Jesus was going around, he was really not in a rude way, but he was thumbing his nose at the system. He was not, he didn't have a title. They asked the same questions that Adamar asked of him. Who are you? 
where did you come from? I, when Jesus would talk, the Pharisees, they go, oh, did he go to your school? He didn't go to my school. <laughs> like, whose school did this dude come from? What makes him think he has the right to stand up and teach? We have the certificates of religion, right? We can, we, we know the scriptures. And here's a guy who, Jesus, who questions that. Like that doesn't give you anything. And and that's what we see in Adamar is just because he's got the title, that doesn't mean he has the heart. And right. that's what Jesus kept calling out of the religious. And I also think it's interesting. There's a theme in this too. I don't know if the guy is a Christian who wrote this, but, but he kind of, he, he has a little dig on the religious in the, you know, in the, wherever the chapel yeah. or wherever they were, he rides the horse in. And the, so the <laughs> religious priests, but at the same time, like there's some religious statements that he makes about, you know, Joshua and the Amorites and the Bible and God. And, 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 and there's a scene at the end where, you know, the dad looks up to the sky, you know, when something is happening and I, I, just some very, I think spiritual moments that are Christ like Bible based sort of moments. So there's even that sort of theme in the movie of something real and loving instead of something religious. What you were, when you were talking about the, the people's response to Jesus were the, they appreciated him. They enjoyed listening to him. They flocked to him because he spoke as one who had authority. Right. And in the movie, you see that the people love William, Sir Ulrich of Gilderland, of Liechtenstein, and it's the mouthful. And Adamar would actually comment on this, that he jousts and he doesn't raise his eyes at the last minute. Many of the, the knights would raise their heads because they wanted to protect their eyes so they would lose sight of the target. But he jousted and he kept his eyes on the target the whole time. So he had bravery and he had courage and there he's was a fearless. Yes. He's, he's fearless. He's he fearless, had yeah. honor because one of the, the other knights that he was facing said, I am unable to continue, but I've never withdrawn. Would you help honor me? And so they basically, they, they jousted a draw and then he withdrew afterwards. So he was right. able to finish the, the match and Adabar didn't understand that. He's like, mercy is a weakness. Yeah. Whereas he's honoring the, the people he's taking care of, you know, you mentioned his, the crew, he's taking care of them. Although he does have sort of a fatal flaw in that as all the heroes in the movies do, because otherwise what's nobody wants to watch somebody who's awesome at everything. Right. Yeah. So his fatal flaw is he doesn't want to do the thing that he's best at. He's best at sword play and winning that, but that's not where the honor is that's not where the glory is the glory is in the joust and then even that's not enough because adamar gets called off he's the the leader of the free companies and so he's off fighting wars he's not at these tournaments and so for william these tournament victories are empty because if he's not beating adamar he's not really winning i think you're right in the sense that 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 is his fatal flaw. Like he's going out for glory. He's going out for the name. Like, you know, he, he wants all, all the fame and all of that. And that's, and that ends up becoming what, what Jocelyn kind of calls out yeah. for him. So I also thought it was cool. Like I did think it was interesting that when he wrote the letter, he's trying to write the, you know, I'm sorry letter. And <laughs> Talk about her breasts. No, maybe a little higher, like her, <laughs> her neck. throat. <laughs> um, but that, that the community helped him write that. And I, I thought that was really interesting that, that his response was not just from himself. It kind of, he kicked it off with some of the things that he was saying, but it, it didn't come just from him. Like it, it was brought in with some of the other experiences from his, his community around him, which I thought, I thought was actually really cool. So, that, but then they get to the, the scene in the chapel or the church or whatever it is. And then she, he's like, what can I do to prove yeah. that I love you? What can I do? I'm going to win this tournament for you. Excuse me. Well, this tournament, I'll win it in your name. Every night I defeat, I defeat for you. The, your beauty will be reflected in the power of my arm, the flanks of my horse. 
Wow. Really? Yes. Really? It's flanks. Yes. Joslyn, how may I prove my love to you? How? Do you ask in earnest? Yes. If you would prove your love, right. you should do your worst. My worst? What do you mean? Instead of winning to honor me with your high reputation, I want you to act against your normal character and do badly. Do badly? Lose. No, losing proves nothing, except that I'm a loser. Wrong. Losing is a much keener test of your love. Oh. Losing would contradict your self-love, and losing would show your obedience to your lover and not to yourself. Really? Shh, woman. Do not shh me and spare him. Now be gone. Go! What is your answer? I will not lose. Then you do not love me. And that's probably my favorite scene of the movie, just because I think that it's so, it, as we talk about, shows the picture of Christ. When he's, I mean, that's the Sermon on the Mount, basically. And where she says, oh, you know, there is no... You know, like she said, you you winning in my name is your own glory. That says nothing. You don't right. want to win for me. You want to win for you so you look good, and I'm just sort of the piggyback tag-along. That says nothing. If you really want to show that you love me, you'll lose. And that's what Jesus said. Anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for me or my name or my words, will find it. And I, I thought it was so interesting. If I lose, I'm a loser. Like, no, that's, you're equating victory. And I think it goes, even what we talked about with Rocky, he lost the fight, but won the girl. You know, with, with, right. with Adrian, he found love. And in this case, it's the same thing of, no, it's only if you define your identity from your performance in a, in a tournament. But what does it say? It says that you, you, you value your lover above your own glory and your own name. And that's what Christ calls it. We have to go against our nature because it was not in his nature to lose. Right. With William, his greatest flaw is also his greatest strength. In this sense, the, the fact that he cannot withdraw, that he cannot run, Right. That is a strength, but it, but our greatest strengths, if we don't place them with the right focus can also become our greatest flaws because his greatest strength that I will not withdraw and I will not run means that when she says, okay, it's time to lose. He's like, I can't do that. So, so now it's that idea he, of what are we in service to? What, what are, what are we in service to? Because here's the thing, and we can just go kind of man and woman and marriage here for a second and we've talked about this before, but we need to understand as men that our jobs and our careers and even the things that we, we are really good at are still secondary as far as the time we will spend on them to our marriage. Like that is secondary to our marriage. If we say we are, if we say we're going to get married, right? I'm going to be married longer than any job I'll ever have. Especially now, I'm telling you, like, like I have new jobs <laughs> since I got married, right? So, so I will have, I will never have any job or career as long as I will be married. And so, he's not living in truth. He's not living in truth to 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 do that. And so, what she's calling him to is not to losing, but to see the truth. She's calling him to see something that's true. Like this is not what matters more. What matters more, what matters more to you. And the fact that he was willing to sacrifice those things for her did tell her that she loved him. Like it, a different person wouldn't have to be called to that. 
right? right? A different person doesn't have to be called to that because that wasn't the flaw that they had to, to deal with. They had to sacrifice something. And, and, and just to go spiritual, God is the same way. You know, there's a reason why God's, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons <laughs> why God's, why God went to Abraham and said, oh, you see that gift I gave you with your son, Isaac, now go kill him. Now go sacrifice him to me. Right? right. Like the only time that even remotely God ever talks about human sacrifice, right. Is, is as the a good thing or something to do. Right. <laughs> Normally uh, it's like, go, go kill right. that tribe. Cause they do the child sacrifice. Exactly. And we all know the story that he, you know, God pulls him back and, and says, no, this, this can't happen. And, and there's, there's a lot of reasons for that, but, but, but for this discussion, uh, God will often in order to redeem it for himself, will yeah. ask us to lay something down that we think we're good at because, because here's the thing. He doesn't want us to find our identity in that thing because it's temporary. Yeah. For, for, I can't find my identity in being a, an author or a writer or a pastor or a father or a brother or a husband. I can't find my identity in those things. Not that because if I try to find my identity in those things, I'll actually screw them up. Well, and if you, like, for instance, you mentioned the, the husband, if you give your wife the power to validate you, you right. also give her the power to invalidate you, right? which is setting her up as God. Right. The only thing that we can look to for that identity is the one who made us. <laughs> exactly. And so, and again, not that I shouldn't be a good husband, right. but, I'm go but I'm going to be a good husband and I'm going to be a good father by realizing that these things are temporary and I have to invest, use these relationships in a temporary way for what really matters. I have to yeah. use my relationship as a husband, again, not to seek validation and being a good husband, but to use that to say on an eternal level, what is good for my wife? What is good? What, what's good for my kids? What's good for when I write? What does God want me to do when I write? And if, you know, uh, and there's, there's so many stories that we could probably point to where God told somebody to put something down for a long time. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't until Watchman Nee kind of talks about this really well in one of his books. I can't remember which one right now, but, but he talks about how, you know, me, like you having a talent is not a spiritual gift. Like that's not your spiritual gift. Just because you have a talent, it can be good, but unless it's redeemed by the cross, right. it's not, you're, it, you're not using it for God. That, that's what Watchman Nee says. Unless you redeem your earthly talents by the cross and you die to them, yeah, you'll never use them for God. You're only using them for you. That, that question of service or yeah. is that talent or gift or is, are you in service to it or is it serving you? There you go. And God through or the you. kingdom, the kingdom, or the yeah. kingdom or, 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 and the father. Right. And so it, it is a very important part of that movie because when you lay it down, when you do set it aside, it feels like death. <laughs> it feels like death. Right. And, and just like it feels like death when they, when, when everyone asks him to run there at the end and he's like, I, I'm sorry, I just can't, I, I like, that's so against, but, but see he, but he had gotten to that point, but at that point it wasn't about glory. It wasn't about fame. It was about doing what was right and standing up for what he believed in. Whereas before you're right, it, it wasn't about taking care of anybody. It was about, I just want to beat, I just want to beat Adamar. Like, like there was, it was selfish. Right. And, and God, and, and like you, you quoted, right. When we, when we seek to lose our life, not for anything, but for God, when we seek to lose our life, we, if we seek to save our life on our own. We'll lose it. We seek to lose it for the sake of God and his gospel and the gospel. Then we'll find it. Cause you could even use that, that idea of martyrdom as a sense of service. You're like, Oh, look at me. I've given up look at all I've given to the poor or I don't miss a Sunday or yeah. I've do this. I never get my way because I I'm a doormat to whatever. Absolutely. And all you're doing is using that sacrifice as your service. Exactly. It's like that, that idea of martyrdom is really just being a victim Yeah, that you're using as your badge of your identity. 
Well, it's still, again, like you said, performance It's about earning. And Paul says this, right? He says, I could know every unknown language. I could give my body to be burned. I could know every mystery, right? But if I don't have this heavenly love, this God love, if I don't have that, it means nothing. It's just noise. It's just, I've, I've literally lost my life for nothing, you know, which yeah. is a harsh thing to say, but, it, but he's pointing to the fact that, that for God, love is the goal. And, and, and like, uh, who was it? Um, Samuel tells Saul, like obedience is better than sacrifice. Like you're, you're trying to excuse it. Like, Oh no, I no, no. I sacrificed this stuff for God. You know, I did this for God. And Samuel's like, you didn't do this for God. You were, you were afraid. And you did this to make yourself look good. Uh, and you just put God's name on it. And, you, you know, that never happens in church ever. Um, so no, I'm sorry. I'm being, that's the Irish sarcasm coming out of me. Um, and, and, and we just have to be really careful about that. And it's about the motives of our heart. It really is about the motives of our heart. And I just love that she calls him on it yeah. and, and that she uses that opportunity to see where his heart really is. What, what is his character really? And, and of course it's after that, then bet him well, lady. Then it's after that, <laughs> then, uh, you know, that she comes to visit him in the tent. <laughs> because halfway through she says, okay, now if you love me, you'll win. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, frequently we have to lay those things down, whether it's writing, whether it's, podcasting or preaching or doing yeah. whatever, because it, we're doing that in service to ourself. Yes. And we have to lay it down. But if it's something that God has given us, then there will come a time where God will say, it's time to pick that up again, oh. because you have learned how to use your, the authority that I've given to you. I can trust you with it. That's what God yeah. says. Yeah. I can trust you with it. And because it, it is important, he doesn't want us to think it's not important. It, he just wants, he just, like you said, it's about what matters more. And I'm telling you, if you've ever been in that situation where you had laid something down because God told you to, and you thought it was dead and God says, okay, now it's time. If you've ever been in that situation, the look on your face is a look on William's face. When he, when he is like, what the crap, what are you talking about? Like, like I like, died to this already. What are you? I died to this. <laughs> and now you're telling me you want me to have it. And, and I'm telling you, man, it, it's so real. It's so real. And I think here's the moment it happened with Jesus. Are you ready? Here's the moment it happened with Jesus. Jesus, they, they need some more wine at this wedding. And he says, it's not my time. I mean, think about it. You're from the time he was at least 12 years old. He knew exactly who he was, right? He knew, he knew exactly what he was here to do. He was at Passover talking to these people. You don't think at 12 years old, he's thinking he's looking at Passover and the lamb and the blood and the door. And he's looking at all this stuff going, Oh my God. But it's 18 years later. Yeah. And his, and his father figure has gone somehow, I don't know, died or left or abandoned. You know, who knows what happened? He's gone through life and he's taking care of his widowed, probably mother. And she comes up to him and she, she knows who he is too. And she's, she tries to put it on him. And he says, woman, it's not my time. And she turns and says, whatever he says to do do it. And something in him goes like, it's literally a minute later yeah. where he goes, Oh, it is my time. <laughs> like, it wasn't a minute ago, but he was so in tune with the father that when the situ, when it changed, he, he was like, Oh, okay. I, I'm, I guess I'm acting now. And, and I'm just telling you, man, it, it's, it's a real thing. And, and, and just encourage people, you know, just because just, you know, we all have seasons in life. And just because for a season, God has you lay something down. God had my wife lay down being a German teacher. Okay. She felt this is what God wanted her to do. We went to a, a foreign country in Korea 
there was no use for her German in Korea. Like she wasn't like going to be a German teacher. She was a, an elementary school teacher. Then she was a librarian. Then she was a mom, but she is a really good German teacher. And she lay, had to lay it down. And it was joy because she was with God and, and he was, she was doing what she, he wanted her to do. And then our, our situation in life changed and I'm emailing people trying to get a new job because I didn't like my job. <laughs> and I'm e- emailing some people, some of our old contacts, and they said, no, we don't have a position for you. What's Becca doing? What's she doing? Um, well, she's just kind of, you know, I was telling them what she, they were doing. We really need a German teacher. And I'm telling you, man, it was a God thing because they never interviewed anybody else. Mm. I'm, I'm just telling you, like, like when, when they heard she was available, they, they moved heaven and earth to get her at one of the best schools in the state, one of the best public schools in the state, they moved heaven and earth to get her. When she said, I don't have my certificate. They're like, that's okay. We'll figure that out. <laughs> she was like, it's been 10 years, 15 years. That's okay. We'll figure it out. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was one thing after another where she was like, well, I got a family now and I can't put the time in it that I used to put. That's okay. We'll figure it out. Like they were willing to say anything just to get her. And she needed that because after being a mom for 10 years, she needed someone to go, no, we want you. We want this. Right. And, uh, and I'm just telling you, I, there's so many stories that we could tell. Um, just encourage people just because God tells you to lay something down for time. It's not the end of the story. Uh, he just, it, 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 he's trying to lead you through something that's bigger. But you do have to actually lay it down. Yeah, you do. You can't like lay it down. Can I pick it up yet? Can I pick it up yet? Then that means you're not ready. And so I, I think that brings us to sort of the other big scene of the movie because the, the big tournament happens back in London. Will sees his dad and says a, a man can change his stars and his feet have found his way home. And That's it's a great, great scene. scene. That is a great scene. It's a great scene. But he gets discovered. He is discovered to be a fraud. He is not of noble birth. He is only a Thatcher's son. What I like about this is, again, looking at the Christ theme, it is the law that was applied to him. Yeah. The law was applied to him. Like, this is important for the, for the rest of the movie because everything they did to him was legal. And he submits himself to it. Yeah. He could have run, but instead he submits himself to the law and judgment, just like Jesus did. Jesus did not have to. The Bible says Jesus, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. In other words, like he was not a victim at any point in that I could, I could call down legions of angels right this minute. Like I don't have to do this, but I'm going to submit myself to the law. That's what he did. He submitted himself to the law, whether it was Roman or Jewish law, he submitted himself to the law and, and that's what happens. And that whole sense of it is for this reason that I came yeah, and for William to have run in that moment meant to deny what he had become. He's like, I am a knight. I am noble. And so he ends up being arrested, put in the stocks as you were back then. People were throwing (laughs) stuff. His, his community, his band of brothers and Kate showed up to defend him and, you know, keep people from throwing stuff and hitting him. And, and this guy shows up, this guy who's the prince and oh, by the way, going back in the story, the the one who he honored when he was injured was the prince. He shows up again later and they said, oh, that's the prince. He's like, oh. And so everybody was withdrawing because if you discover he's a royal family, then you're taking up arms against him. You could get thrown in jail and arrested for threatening the royal line. But William decides to joust because... He sees it on the other guy's face. He sees it on the prince's face that he wants competition. He loves this. So he shows up. The prince now shows up at the stocks and has a conversation with William. What a pair we make. Both trying to hide who we are. Both unable to do so. Your men love you. If I knew nothing else about you, that would be enough. 
you also tilt when you should withdraw. And that is nightly too. Release him. You may appear to be of humble origins, but my personal historians have discovered that he is descendant from an ancient royal line. This is my word. And as such is beyond contestation. Now, if I may repay the kindness you once showed me, take a knee. in me by my father, King Edward, and by all the witnesses here, I dub thee Sir William. And so the Christ figure shifts <laughs> to the prince because you have somebody, as you mentioned, William is there. He broke the law. He is being legally and rightly punished for his crimes and for his actions. The prince shows up. And I love it. He said, by the authority given to me by my father. And he says, you are of this. He's a man of noble birth. And because I have said it, it is beyond contestation. And throughout the Bible, what you see is that Jesus has declared us righteous. And the same thing of because he has said it, it is beyond contestation. We argue it. We shouldn't, but we do. <laughs> we, for some reason, still want to pick up our filthy rags and say, no, this is who I am. But it's without contestation. Unlike this scenario where it is because of what he is and who he is, what he's done and who he is. It really isn't. We've done nothing to deserve it. And yet, he still comes out and says, release him. Our chains have been broken. It is for freedom that we've been set free. Yeah, I think that William is still kind of a Christ figure as well. I, I think it's a both and. I, I think it's for the, for the story as to follow William as a Christ figure Christ gives himself, puts, submits himself under the authority of the law. And the law does what it's meant to do, which is to kill something. Like Condemns. That's, <laughs> that's what the law does. And, and that's, what something, that's something a lot of people don't really understand, even though the New Testament and Paul is pretty clear about this. Like the law in and of itself was good, but it actually had a purpose. Its purpose was to show what we could not do. It was, it was meant to just kind of highlight the limitations, not, yeah. not to, you know, highlight impossibilities. I mean, are there at least possibilities make it, make everything possible. And so, so Jesus gives himself over to the law is killed. You know, he, according to legend or some theology, depending on what you believe, you know, goes down into hell. Right. And so, all that to say is William kind of is that guy. And, 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 and it looks like the story's over, just like when Jesus died to, to, to the disciples. Uh, and then, you know, the crew shows up and, you know, he's going to fong everybody, which again, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just hoping that means he's going to beat them up because otherwise that's, that's just kind of really creepy. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, but, but the disciples thought the, it was over. They thought the story was over, just like William's crew thinks that the story's over. And yet, then there's the surprise. What makes it a good story? Like, if the movie had ended there, I don't know what would have happened with that movie. I don't know, like, Nothing. what its box office would have been. <laughs>
Um, it would have been an indie movie at that point because it's got to be sad. Um, uh, you know, like what's his name that you did the interview with Will, Will or yeah. <laughs> now it's just, you know, an indie movie at that point. But all that to say is what makes this a movie that's inspiring is there's a, there's a surprise. The truth comes out. The truth comes out is that you can't do this to him because he's actually of an ancient line, just like Jesus was he was the son of God. You can't kill him. You can't do this. Like, mm. I know you think you can kill him or put him in stocks or whatever uh, for the analogy, but God raised Jesus up and gave him a name above all names. That's what the Bible says that, that he raised Jesus up, gave him a name above all names, named him and set him up as, as who he was. And, and, uh, and we'll get to the rest of the movie. Cause I think it, it, it goes to the rest of the movie, but, but I think, but your point is, is just as valid. That's what God does with us because we were born in the stocks. Okay. Like we were born there. Like that's who we were. Uh, and to go back to, you know, princess bride, we were born mostly dead. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it looks like it, but you know, we, we, we might be able to go to whatever, but, but like we can't do much. Right. And, um, we needed supernatural intervention. You know, that's we what needed we needed. And, and, and so, so when we do come to Christ, when we do repent, when we do decide to follow Jesus, then our story is changed. Now we are part of an ancient royal line. Now that's who we are. And, it, you know, it's something that I don't think I've shared it on the podcast here, but it's something I talk about that through the Old Testament, the lineage was physical and and you even get that in mark i mean matthew i'm sorry matthew and luke you you get a lineage like they're trying to prove that jesus came from this ancient line right and all the promises and but it's all physical you never see another one in the new testament Mm. the lineage from then on is spiritual so the lineage up to jesus is physical right this guy begat that guy and then blah, 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 blah. And then, and then you get to Jesus and it goes Jesus to Peter and, and Barnabas and, you know, or actually it goes like Jesus to Peter and Peter to Barnabas and Barnabas to Saul and Saul to Timothy. You get a totally new, different sort of genealogy, which I think is beautiful. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't really see that, but it's, but it's, it's different now. Now, now it doesn't matter where you were born, you can change your, your genealogy. Now my genealogy is in David. My genealogy is in David because we can trace it all back to Christ who can trace it all, who traces it all back to Abraham and David and Adam and all of that. So, so, so it's true for us too. He gives us a Royal lineage. He, he gives us a name too, right. Of authority and all of that. He does that the same thing with us, but, um, but, but I think it's important as we get to the end of the movie, that the battle isn't over. Yeah. See, like, like when we're given the name above all names or whatever, when Jesus is given the name above all names, guess what? There's still war going on. There's still enemies to be made into a footstool. There's still <laughs> enemies to be made into a footstool. And I love that about this movie that, that you get to the end of the movie and he still has to fight Adamar. But one more point I thought was really good that the King had been hiding himself in the common. Or, or not maybe common, but it, at least in that scene, like he takes off the hood, like everybody thought he was a commoner like everybody else. But the king had been hiding himself in the common and the knight had no title. So a knight didn't have the title and yet he was a true knight. And, and so it's, it's just a great scene because if you know writing, and you know, it's, it's, there's a moment when everything becomes true, when the truth is revealed. Yeah. Um, that's a kind of a comedy thing. Like if you're going into the, like w- what different kind of stories we are, but, um, so it may be a rom-com. Uh, so all of that to say <laughs> is it, it, there's a moment when all the truth comes to light, when Jocelyn realizes he's really not a, a royal of royal blood or whatever. He's not a, whatever. Um, and we realize who the king really is, and, you know, the prince or whatever. We realize that he's really a knight. Like, like that's a great moment. But what I think is interesting is that, that that's not the end of the story. There's still now with the truth. Now let's go fight with the truth. Now knowing the truth, now let's go fight. And it's still not easy. 
and they're still an enemy. And, and he still plays dirty. And he still plays dirty. <laughs> but I love that about this movie that, that you come to the truth moment and he has to now fight from that truth. Now it's, uh, it's evident to everybody. Everybody knows, right? She brings the father to the, to the stadium. And I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful picture of now it's, it's in front of everybody. Well, and, and he he's, has to fight. And he's fighting under his true name. And he's fighting under his And his, his father name. hears that. I love that. Sir, and then they, so they actually say, you know, Sir William, your father heard them chanting, William, William, William. Yeah, yeah he says, he says uh, Sir William Thatcher, that's your name. Your father heard that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Because it goes back to, uh, what, 12 years ago? And his father brought him over to Squire for Sir Ector because he wanted more for him. So again, going back to that, Jesus kind of motif, the father sent his son away so that he could do what he was made to do. And then he comes back and the sacrifices were worth, you know, he comes back and it's been 12 years and his father's blind now, Yeah, but his father sits in the stands in the box next to the prince and with Jocelyn and hearing the crowd chanting his son's name, his true name, not Sir Ulrich. Right. Because and that's another promise for no one has given up family or lands or legacy, but will, you know, for the kingdom, but will get it back a hundredfold. Good. Like if you, I, I sometimes think of it when I, <laughs> like, it's like, okay, there's uh you know, four pieces of bacon and there's three of us. So I'll take one and I'll let the, the boys split it. I was like, yeah, I'm getting that back. <laughs> we get the bacon back <laughs> to show, because I'm showing the love of the father for my children. Right. And I know it's a silly little thing, but no, if it's, it's in the little things then it's in the big things yeah, and vice versa. Well, and, and so another thing about that last scene where all the truth is uncovered, there's another important point to me. And it's that, when we can start seeing the king or or God in the common, then we'll know our true name. Mm -hmm. Then we'll know who we really are. Like we have to start seeing God in the common, right? Jesus says, when you've done, when you feed the hungry and you clothe the naked and you go visit, when you do this stuff, you've done it to me. Like God is in the common. What's your true, James says, what's your true religion? He doesn't say going to church. Like I'm not against going to church. I'm a church planner. Like, <laughs> you kind of like it. <laughs> but at church, what should I be teaching? Right? What should I be teaching them? And that is that your true religion is helping the widows and the orphans and keeping yourself unspotted from this world. That this temporary world, not because the world is evil necessarily, it's just going to die. It's just going the way of death. And that doesn't necessarily make it evil. The trees aren't evil. That's my point, right? It doesn't right. make it evil. It just makes it temporary. And we have to know it for what it is and don't, and don't put hope in the temporary that it wasn't meant to be there. And all that to say is when we can start seeing the king, we start seeing God and the kingdom and the common, then we'll know who we really are. Then we'll know it. And that now we've come to the truth and now we can fight from the truth. Um, there's a couple of other things I really like about the movie was that when they wanted to piss him off, they'd tell him things about the other count that would piss him off. <laughs> like, right. I loved that. <laughs> like when they really wanted him to like fight, they were like, Oh yeah, this guy's, he you know. pays, he makes them pay four times the taxes and then starves the widows. I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> I love that. I also love the the scene. I think it's the first time when Chaucer announces Ulrich, and he's and he he looks to the royalty and he looks to the common and he goes, "Today you are equal." And I loved that. And he says, "You you are equal because you're equally." blessed. Like that's Jesus, right? Jesus is like, I don't care if you're rich or poor, knowing Jesus is the great equalizer. That's the great equalizer. There's no poor or rich in the kingdom. Yeah. Um, you're all equally blessed in Christ. And I just thought that was cool too. So this has been Paul McDonald and Britt Mooney talking about a knight's tale.
nice too. Oh, by the way, we didn't tell people. It's 20 years. It's 20 years old. Oh, this it's year. their 20. That's why we did it. It's, it's the 20th, 20th anniversary. anniversary. That's one of the reasons why we, we picked it is because it's actually the 20th anniversary. It was on our list and it's actually 20 anniversary. So, so that might be we have to do Shrek next because that's coming up on the 20th. Well, Shrek would be interesting. Shrek would be fun. I love Shrek. So uh, I'm going to do that again. So this has been Paul McDonald and Britt Mooney talking about A Knight's Tale. Hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Who am I to be?